Welcome to Hub City Homers. You actually are getting a special episode tonight. We are finally back at full strength and just in time for episode 63. So I am joined by Jack, Kendall, and Reed. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to try, and we, I talked about this with, when it was just Kendall and I. We wanted to do a football-specific episode. Life kind of got in the way, and we didn't get that recorded. Tonight, we will see if there's time to talk about football, but you know, there's a lot to talk about with that program, its future coaches, all that jazz. So we're going to prioritize basketball, though, which is in season. So we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma and a lot about the Iowa State disaster. For those of you who are living under a rock who would listen to this podcast, Texas Tech was crushed by Iowa State. 84-50, and frankly, it wasn't that close. Texas Tech would also have fall, fell to the Sooners in a much tighter contest that went to overtime, 68-63. Texas Tech is 0-4 in conference play and heading to a very bad outcome none of us want, which is missing the NCAA tournament. Um, we're going to get into it and start off with the Oklahoma game. I'll give a high level, since this was a little bit ago, What kind of what happened. It was a pretty ha- even first um even first half, the, the, the team, the halftime score would be uh, 24-23. Where things got dicey in this game in the second half, actually up to, I believe, about seven minutes left in the game, um, Oklahoma led by 13. Texas Tech would put on a ferocious rally to get back into this game. For those of you who uh, missed it, this game, both Bacho and Pop Isaacs did not play. So Tech was very shorthanded, as well as K.J. Allen, who also didn't play against Iowa State. But Pop Isaacs and Bacho both didn't play in this game which meant that you had us change the starting lineup. Jennings and Washington would enter the starting lineup. Um, both of them were serviceable. Nothing flashy from either of the two, but have been giving you good minutes, um, especially Washington. But in the second half, like I said, they fell down by 13. Tech would rally, push this into overtime. Um, had a shot to win this game actually late. Had a, had a, had a good shot to win this game late and would foul uh, uh, Uzon, who would make two free throws to, to finish Tech's final possession a trend we're going to talk about was a disaster, and OU would win this game in overtime by five. Um, let's start talking about it. Let's start with the obvious here. Um, Pop Isaacs and Bacho both missing. I want to get that you know out in front of everybody. We can clearly see how important they are, but let's focus on the guys who did play. Um, and specifically, let's talk about a guy who's, who's really struggling of late, which is um, let's talk about Jalen Tyson. He had four points in this game. Five turnovers. Um, he made two free throws. He was 0 for 5 from 3. Um, though the entire team is not doing well from 3. Um, only one starter made a 3. Only one other 3 was made for Tech. They were 2 for 18 for the game. Let's focus on Tyson. What are we seeing? What, what, what seems to be going wrong? He looked like he was really coming into his own as a basketball player. He's ha- hitting a rough patch. Um, Jack, I'll go to you first um, with this one. What are you seeing from him? And then I'll, I'll open up the conversation to some of the larger game issues we saw. I think Kendall and I have talked about this off air and a lot of what uh, of what I'm seeing at least is I I made the joke last night when I was watching the game, the Iowa State game at least, um, about just lately Jalen Tyson having butterfingers. I feel like he's lost the ball so much lately. There was the game, I think it might have been the TCU game, where he brought the ball up, or I can't even remember what game it was. This season is moving quickly, which is a good thing at this point in time. But there was a couple of times where I was watching, and he was bringing the ball up to shoot, and he lost it on the way up, and there's no one around him. Um, To me, he looks like he's playing 
too fast. He's trying to do too much at times, and his body is getting very sped up because his mind is so sped up. I think that if he just he just needs to relax and play his game. There's a reason he was so highly sought after out of high school. There's a reason he committed to Tech first and then followed Beard to Austin, and then now he's back at Tech. There's a reason for all of this, right? But I think he just needs to relax and play his game. I think a lot of it too is the fact that what you know we're talking about reasons he's at Tech again. He didn't really get that much run at Texas, right? So. I think a lot of it also is he's kind of trying to overcompensate with certain in certain areas of his game just because he really hasn't seen a whole lot of Big 12 play, right? So he averaged, what, like five or six minutes a game at Texas last year uh, when he before he came to Tech midseason. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think that – I think he's just getting sped up. And I think he's trying to do too much. And I, me personally, I mean, we'll we'll get to the rest of the team uh, farther along in this uh, recording. But I, I think that that's a it's a team wide issue. I think that this team gets really frazzled really easily, and everyone starts trying to do too much. Um, but to me, at least, that's what I'm seeing with Tyson right now is that he's trying to overcompensate, and he's he's really sped up. I think if this guy just calms down, plays his game that got him heavily recruited in the first place, I think that a lot of his problems will be solved. And yeah, I'm I tend to gonna, concur. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I was going to piggyback off of that. Like, I think the you know Tyson. If you follow me on Twitter, I am probably one of the biggest Jalen Tyson fans out there. You know, he when he's playing his game. He's so smooth, and I still think like he is a very fluid basketball player, but like Jack said, he's been getting sped up. He's been getting himself sped up, but also in general, I just think with the op- that what they want to call an offense that Tech is running right now, it's not good for anyone out there. Like I don't know what's happening, but it seems like every pass they're trying to make is the most difficult possible one. Um, there's no off ball movement to get other guys open and get people open shots. It's just like, it's almost like we just have people on the perimeter, like trying to cut to out to the perimeter, get open and just basically do the same thing, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll. And it's just so easy to defend, especially when you're playing a team like Iowa state when they got, you know, bulldozed, but especially also against a team like Oklahoma, who is really physical, um, there's gonna they're gonna create a lot of issues. And what's so frustrating about that Oklahoma loss, which granted, it's next to impossible to win a Big 12 basketball game missing what two of your top three scorers and realistically three of your top four if you count AMAC, but like this team just I don't know what it is, and I, I do think part of it's coaching. Part of it might just be fit right now, but there's just something not clicking and it hasn't clicked yet, but we saw the potential of what this team can do. I feel like with that, you know, that late run against OU because OU, I mean, they're not a bad basketball team whatsoever. They took Iowa state right to the buzzer. They took Kansas right to the buzzer. Like they gave those two very good basketball teams 
just a run for their money. They had a pretty solid non-conference stretch. Um, OU's a tournament team. But, you know, to lose the way they did when they built an early lead and it just seems like the offense... And that's what's so frustrating. A lot of these early games, it seems like we have some great offense, get some great shots. Then all of a sudden, that just goes to nothing by about the 16-minute mark. And it's like we come out with such a good game plan and then make no in-game adjustments. And that's what's probably the most frustrating part about all of this is everything that I'm seeing out there is so fixable. And it seems like they're just getting worse by the game almost. But, you know, a guy like Tyson, really, to me, all it takes is one game to really snap out of it and get going. And I personally think that could be coming against Texas in the Moody Center. I'm hoping it is because, you know, I think he's got a lot to prove um, against Texas uh, and to himself. Like, I saw his body language against Iowa State – he was getting really frustrated. And to me, it wasn't even like it was on him. But at the same time, I felt he was trying to make the right plays. But like Jack said, he's just getting sped up. He's turning the ball over. He's not. There's just one thing that's missing. And, you know, there was a lot of times last night that I saw um, Adams yelling at him to go score because he seemed very hesitant at times because of what's been happening. And I think that this whole team, just in general, I think there's a lot of guys that have this mental block right now that, you know, they haven't been able to get over. And, you know, if if this team doesn't get over it quick, you know, we're very easily looking at like, if we're lucky, like three or to four wins in the big 12 with how tough this conference is. So, you know, whatever's going on with this squad, they've got to get it figured out, and they I think they got to figure it out right now. Yeah, we're, we're kind of running out of time, and we're going to get to the Iowa State disaster next, but they're, they're, I want to talk about one other reoccurring problem, um, and that's the total lack of production from anyone outside of pretty much your standard starting five. Jay, Jennings and Washington would play in this game, and they were serviceable eight and six points respectively. This game really is the Harmon game. I want to give him a quick shout-out. This was what, probably his best game. Nine for 15 from the field, 23 points, five for seven for the line. He had four rebounds, three assists, and a steal, only the one turnover. He was fantastic. O'Banner was okay, extremely uh, inefficient, though, five for 17 before turnover. So this is the Harmon game. He's the reason you rallied back from a deficit. He's the reason you had a chance. And in overtime, he kind of disappeared, which is unfortunate. But um, Robert and J- Jennings and Washington had a shot to really kind of make a name for themselves. Both of them two for five. Um, Washington would have one assist and a block. Jennings would have a steal. Uh, Washington had one turnover, four personal fouls. Jennings, one personal foul. So 14 points for those two guys. But uh, the biggest problem here is so those are probably guys six and seven right now. Uh, normally, if Bacho and um, Isaacs are playing, those guys are six and seven with KJ Allen somewhere, maybe a, the true six with these two, maybe seven and eight. It, it really depends. We don't know the extent of KJ's injury. Um, but your next three guys off the bench right now are Fisher, Williams, and Walton. Here's a hysterical stat line. And I, I don't want to draw too much offense to the young man, but Walton plays 11 minutes in this game, records no stats besides a personal foul. 
Fisher plays eight minutes. He makes one shot, but he has three rebounds and an assist. Williams would play 21 minutes. This is probably his best game of the year, but in those 21 minutes, he generates five rebounds, one steal, but only five points. You got seven points from your bench. This is becoming every game problem. So I want to go to you, Reed, on this one. How do you... How do you justify changing a rotation when there's nobody on the bench who seems to be vying for an actual starting spot? What If you're Mark Adams, who's a guy that you maybe identify as being, he's the guy who I can maybe use as a piece to try to shake things up at this moment when you're just seeing so little from these guys on the bench? Yeah, I mean, I wish there was like a, a clear-cut answer, but I don't really think there is at this point in time. Um, there's not just like one person that, stuck out to me across the board that just doesn't ever lack energy. Um, I guess pop might kind of fit that role, but he's also at the same time, he's probably the best like normal scorer you've got of the ball right now, uh, at least outside of the paint. Um, you know, off the bench, there's been nobody that has really like stuck out to me. That's earned even like a six man role. KJ Allen has, has played well, but I mean, he can, I've, Offensively, he can only do so much for you in terms of scoring. Uh, he's pretty one-dimensional, and where he's really just kind of in the paint, getting rebounds and, and blocks and stuff like that, which is fine. But he's not going to give you, you know, fifteen to twenty one night if you needed him to. Uh, very often, there's. I don't. I wish Walton would would work out the way I thought he would have because he's just really like he almost looks scared when he's with when he's got the ball, um, almost like his like the, the coaching staff is pushing him to shoot it so much. That's so like always concerned to do. Um, like right when he touches it, he's jacking it up, whether it's a good shot or not. Um, and a few times that's backfired probably pretty heavily. I, I think it was against OU. He came in for like 30 seconds, touched the ball and jacked up uh, an air ball. You know, I mean, stuff like that is just not going to like cut out when you're, when you're in the game, obviously they could probably give him more run time and he'd probably settle in, but, um, there's nobody, there's just no steady force off the bench to really rely on at this point, which is sad because, uh, you know, the starting five has had to play 35 minutes plus each and they're all, um, you know, running up and down the floor in the big 12, but they're going to get tired. Uh, cause some of these teams that we're playing have eight, nine guys deep, like Iowa state just rolled out and, um, Kansas had probably six to seven that were very deep that played serviceable minutes and OU is the same. Um, and they can all run up and down the floor and score at all three levels. So um, it's it's not a good year to be bad in the Big 12, and right now we are not good. I kind of wanted to yeah. like, mention something about Walton. You know, I think to me, you know, I think Reed made a good point. He just hasn't gotten the run to really settle in. But, like, at this point, you've got to change something. And the two guys that I think could really help make a difference for this team, especially on the defensive end, would be Kerwin Walton and Damarian Williams, just because those two guys are like kind of, I'm not going to say ideal Mark Adams players, but they're both pretty lengthy. They can kind of, like this team can't switch the one through five like past Mark Adams teams have been able to on the defensive end. Like, you don't have that Adonis Arms, Davion Warren type of guy on this year's teams, but those two are the closest guys, and that's why I'm so shocked we haven't seen them get more run 
Because really, to me, I saw it at North Carolina for, you know, a couple select games. When Walton got some playing time and got into a rhythm, that dude's a damn flamethrower. And that's exactly the type of guy that Tech needs right now. Just a guy that's a threat. And they don't have that type of shooting threat outside of Pop. And everybody knows who Pop is now. Like, every... it takes that many games going into Big 12 play. It took basically two games for everybody to really sit there and figure out, all right, this is the guy we have to kind of sit out on. And he's not going to get many clean looks until we have another guy step up as a threat, which Jalen Tyson, I think, could be that threat. But ultimately, those Williams and Walton are the two guys that I actually think if they were to get solid run and you could give them the opportunity to kind of just get settled in a little bit. I think those are the two guys that could really, you know, elevate this team. But I I don't know if we're really going to see them get the chance this year. Walton, actually, we're going to get to this in a minute. And the Iowa State game has a couple of late threes, which is exactly what you want to see from him. Maybe something to get him going. But yeah, my point to all of this with Oklahoma is – like the first three games, there was no finish in this team. They had this great rally, had a chance to win, and don't hold up defensively at the end, which is tough to handle as a Tech fan. Then they get the final possession, a chance to get the last shot, and this is something I also want to talk about. What the actual fuck are we doing out of bounds and out of stoppage time? What are we doing? I mean, these possessions, they're not just, like, not going anywhere, right? Like, I, I, me and Kendall talked about this ad nauseum last week. Pop Isaacs was fouled, Bacha was fouled. But why was the best play we could come up with then a play that was just, hey, Pop, take three guys on and maybe somebody will get open? Like, that was all we could do, a contested drive down the middle? Why was this a bad contested three? W- what is Mark Adams doing, right? Because I... Like Coach Adams, he's a great defensive mind, but this is the stuff that you get paid like $4 million for, is to, is to do this well. Bill Self represents like the high end of this. He's a fantastic out-of-bounds guy. Mark Adams represents right now the bottom of the conference in this. It, it, it's, it's almost comical how bad these are. So I want to open this up with you first, Jack. You know, why can't... Tech seem to figure it out in critical moments out of timeouts. What 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 are you seeing that's causing these issues? I want to first lay out and that I agree. I think I think and I and I don't like being critical of coaches because making you have a great line that you repeat. Um that I, I really take to heart and it's I, I think that Mark Adams knows more about or has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know when it comes to a coaching standpoint and I firmly stand behind that um, but there's no coaching I mean let's just be blunt about it um, offense isn't just an issue for this season it's been an issue in Lubbock for a long time Um we had it. We had offensive issues under Beard going all the pretty much his entire time at Tech. Um, we had offensive issues at times during Tubby Smith, but most of the time we could score. Uh, Beard Beard era and obviously last year first first year of Mark Adams. Um, we had the defense, so we didn't have to score 
75 points. We could score 60, but guess what? We're going to hold you to 45, and we're still going to win by 15 points. Um, this team, just in the last four games especially, has been atrocious on the defensive end. Um, you're, you're talking about giving up, um, I mean, just in the last few games, 68 points to Oklahoma. Um, that's not too bad, especially considering it went to overtime. But uh, if you want to, you know, really get technical about it, um, 12 points, you gave up 12 points in a five-minute overtime period. That's not a good clip uh, in terms of, and for Mark Adams at least. Um so now you're seeing all of this stuff come down. Basically, what I'm trying to say is the chicken. For those of you that have heard, the chickens are coming home to roost, right? Um, you've gotten away with this with not being able to score for so long because of how good your defense was. Well, this year our defense hadn't been shit. It hadn't been worth a shit. Let's. I mean, I'm sure Mark Adams agrees. It hadn't been worth a shit. So you're. Your all your offensive struggles are now coming to light, and they're being magnified a lot more than they've ever been before in the past. Right? Um, you had an you brought in an offensive coach last year in Peary, and you know we all read the rumors weeks ago about what was going on with the basketball program and why Peary left or got axed after one year. Um, we've all seen the rumors this year that. Uh, you know, Mark Adams brought in Luke Adams, his son, and Luke Adams is running this offense, and no one likes Luke Adams. And now, finally, it looks like he's trying to hand over the offense to Steve Green, which is, I tell you what, I've been to Steve Green coach basketball games. I'm from Midland. I've been to a bunch of Midland College games. Midland College played South Plains quite a bit. And I watched Steve Green offenses put up 95 to 100 points almost every time they came to Midland. Steve Green's offense is not being ran. This is nothing like a Steve Green offense. And I probably, I mean, to be honest, I've probably been to six or seven, eight or nine maybe, Steve Green coach games, and I think probably the lowest amount of points they've scored were 80 points against Midland College. And this is not a Steve Green offense. I'll tell you that right now. I don't know what it is, um, but it's not a Steve Green offense. And um, I don't want to keep this too long, but I almost want to say, you know, if we're bringing in these offensive guys to run their offense and we're not letting them, then what's the fucking point? What are we doing? You know, like you're you're hiring these guys to come in to to give you a shot of adrenaline into the offense, right? Um, you're you're bringing in these guys because they can score at will. Steve Green's offenses are good offenses, and what we're seeing right now isn't good offense. Um, when it comes to the time, I just say it's coaching, uh, and I don't obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but. Um, from all indications, it's nothing very positive at this point. Yeah, and we're going to move on now to the next game, just because we've now spent a good chunk of time on Iowa, on Oklahoma, which was honestly, well, very disappointing and very frustrating. At least resembled basketball. Let's get to Iowa State, which didn't. Um, Tech was not competitive in this game. To, to give you guys a reference, you were down 19 at half. Where this got out of hand 
it happened in a hurry um, is, is really where this kind of blew up for Tech. They were down, um, I believe they were down nine points for a, a hot minute. So for 545, Iowa State, as part of this big run where they kind of took over the game, gets up nine. So that score remains the case until the 255 mark when they jumped up or excuse me, 341 mark, where they jumped up to 11. They would score, go on another 8-0 run over the rest of the game. Tech would not score a basket from 238 on. That basket at 238 was the first basket since the, let's see here, winning Tech, 8 minutes, 17 seconds. So, like, this was not competitive very, very fast. This went from being like, okay, Tech looks slow offensively to an embarrassment. They just completely fell apart. Um, couldn't card, couldn't do anything right, and it got uglier in the second half. It, it's a little back and forth to start the second half. Um, you know, Tech kind of keeps it at that 19 points, and then they start to make a little bit of a run. Maybe they can get back into this, and then it's over. From that, Tech's run falls flat. They're unable to really, I don't think they ever get back within 14 points after the 12:36 mark of the second half. Um, and Iowa State just runs away with this game and hides. Every time in the second half, Tech started to do something right, they screwed up a defensive possession or took a bad shot. Um, There are all kinds of people who screwed up in this loss. To lose this badly, all losses, all wins are cumulative efforts. Even in basketball, which is a very individualistic sport, um, everything happens together. Coaches, players, you fail or win together. Um, In some games, individual players really step up, but defense is a team effort. This game was the closest thing I've ever seen to a total team failure. Everybody sucked. There was nobody on Tech's side who did anything right. Um, everybody was terrible. Quite quite frankly, this was the worst loss Tech has had in at least 10 years. I mean, this was uh, a Pat Knight-level dog shit basketball. And the, it, it was embarrassing for me as a Tech alum to watch, as a guy who talks a lot about Tech sports. It was embarrassing for Mark Adams. It was embarrassing for the players. It was embarrassing for the entire fan base. This was a joke. You know, you didn't just kind of get beat. And there are games you get boat raced in basketball. It happens to everybody. But you failed to do anything that resembled what Tech's calling card is, which is its defense. And that was especially hard to stomach. You didn't just get beat. You got beat at the thing you're supposed to be best at. You got beat because your defense fell apart. Um, We're going to start breaking this one down. Reed, I'll go to you first here. The guy that I want to highlight first... Um, and open it up is the one tech player who seemed to give a shit late in the game, which is Harmon. Harmon has 14 points. He leads all scores for Texas Tech. Let's talk about a bit this though. He's got four turnovers as your starting point guard. What are you seeing from him? Has we, you know, now we're kind of solidly into Big 12 play. What do you like? What do you not like? What went wrong for him in this game? Yeah, I I kind of watched this game off and on for uh, obvious reasons, but. Um, speaking to Harmon, uh, on, on a whole for the season, he started off as like the steady rock, uh, which is kind of what I expected him to be. Uh, he's coming with a, a bunch of experience at numerous different levels and, um, at big programs across the country, uh, at OU and Oregon before he came here. So, um, I mean, I expected him to lead our team as the point guard and <clears throat> kind of the, the vocal leader along with O'Banner, um, you know, for me, so, since Big 12 started, or maybe earlier than that, but he's kind of been a, a Jekyll and Hyde for me. Um, obviously, OU, he played really well. He played fine last night, but um, he makes really good decisions at times, and there's other times I'm wondering, 
you know, like what goes through his head when he's making some some choices as well. Um, for somebody at his level of, um, you know, exposure and, and competitiveness, I would think he would be able to make more um, subdued decisions at times um, with turnovers and uh, kind of taking chances with, with trying to take steals and stuff like that. And he's getting called for reaching in. Uh, reaching around the back and stuff like that. And he's obviously showing frustration with calls, that kind of thing. Um, there's there's times where I, I like him a lot, and there's times where I don't like him as much, uh, which I guess I could say for most players. But, um, you know, he's probably been one of your better bright spots along with O'Banner and, and Pop. Uh, but it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint a whole lot of success out of anything right now after the – the game they had last night with with anybody really, but um, I think he's been your best consistent bright spot. Even though I don't think he's been super consistent across the board. Yeah, I mean, it, it, only good player in a bad game. He scored a lot in garbage time. Um, that's when he's seen. But again, it, it's the kind of give a shit that you want to see from somebody because I think Jack and I talked about this a lot in the spaces and Chris joined us um, to talk about this. They didn't look like they cared. And that that's the most concerning thing out of this game was that it did not look like it mattered that they were playing basketball for Texas Tech. Pop Isaac's coming off injury. Bacho coming off injury. They were terrible. Um, everyone was terrible. I'm not singling those two out. O'Banner, awful. Tyson was a complete non-factor. Um, Jennings, not good. Fisher, not good. Williams, not good. Washington, I mean, everybody was awful. That's what happens when you lose by 34. I'm going to switch now to a big, huge, massive, like, siren-sounding alarm. Jack ran the math before this. Tech is at about a 15% in its last two games from three. And here's why this, this game really fell apart for Tech. Um is Iowa State shot the, the absolute leather off the ball. Now, granted, Tech's defense was really, really bad in this game. I mean, they were leaving guys open all over the board, but Iowa State shot an above average even despite that. Uh, with guys shooting damn near 100% in this game and or 50% for Grill, nearly 100% from Kalsher, um, Lipsy and Holmes, both not three-point shooters, each had one. Um, off the bench, King had one. So they, they just had a lot of guys let you up. Tech, on it for its part, was 5 for 26. Here are your starters numbers. Bacho, he took a desperation 3, 0 and 1. O'Banner, two missed threes. You're counting on him to hit one of those. Pop Isaacs killed you doing this. was 1 for 9. That broke your back how badly he shot. And I'm not singling him out because I think it's his fault. I'm saying I'm going to talk about later a trend where we're basing the entire offense on whether or not Pop Isaacs is scoring or not and why that's dangerous in a minute. Tyson, 1 for 4. Harmon, 1 for 3. I mean, these are just ne- these are just dog shit numbers, right? Like, this is embarrassing for a D1 basketball team to shoot the ball this badly. We played Utah State a few years ago in the tournament. We won that game because Utah State shot like this. Um, right, like they they had that big down low who kept dumping it out and missing every three. And part of this is that there's no ball movement, so these are they're taking a lot of contested three. Pop Isaacs in particular took at least six contested threes. Tyson took at least two. O'Banner's I think had two. Both of his were contested. They're not getting a lot of open looks because of the offense is going, but the three point ball is killing Tech. It's killing them that they can't hit it. And again, I, I mentioned Isaacs because he sh- he's the guy we're getting the most three-point shooting from this year. I'm not blaming him at all for what happened. I'm just pointing out that if he shoots one for nine, most nights Tech is going to lose. That's, that's just reality. And that's where I want to go to next. Why are we putting 
everything offensively at the foot of a freshman guard. I mean, like, we need O'Banner to take some of this pressure off. And Tech's best games are the games where you've had O'Banner, Isaacs, and Harmon all scoring together. With the uneven scoring's killing us. We cannot keep asking a freshman who is bound to have games like this, games where he's a bit out of control and trying too hard, we have to have somebody help him. Because here's the other side of this. Isaacs doesn't necessarily have the elite, like, off-the-step dribble. He's good at it, but where he's best is when he gets his man one-on-one, he can take him. He can take a deep shot and hit it. If he can get just a little bit of separation, he's so fast on the draw. He can get, oh, he can shake somebody. He doesn't have necessarily the best straight-line drive. He doesn't take that many two-point shots. Um, in this game, he shot nine um, threes. He only attempted 13 shots total. Right? Like his game is from the three point line. And if you're not creating any space at all as an offense, he can't get open. I mean, he, he was doing everything he could because we're asking him to press so hard. So, Kendall, I'll go to you here. How do you fix an offense that's so fundamentally broken where you can highlight an elite shooter like Pop Isaacs, an elite guard like Pop Isaacs? You can highlight Kevin O'Banner, who's great off uh, 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 with, with a time and space. How do you highlight Harmon, who's a slashing guard? How do you cr- fix this offense to take advantage of these dudes that you do actually have on the offense side of the ball? To me, it's just all... So, obviously, Pop Isaacs is an elite shooter, and Tech has had this issue not just this season, but I would go back to when uh, Davide Moretti was there, when we had guys like Kyler Edwards there. We have guys, we've had guys come through this program that when they get space and when they get open shots, they are lethal from three. And the same thing has happened for years now, where there is no off-ball movement and that is the most important part of basketball you know like obviously not everyone is the golden state warriors but watch what they do you know you have steph curry and clay thompson the two best shooters to ever step foot on this planet and how did they get them open they're running off two three four screens even like They're just running around senselessly to lose their guy and get an open shot. Tech has never ran anything like that for any of their shooters. And it is the offense that is so, like, it is tested. It is fundamentally proven that that type of offense is what works in basketball. Swinging the ball from side to side, getting your shooters coming off screens, whether it's a curl screen, whether it's a guy screening down, getting him off the block in like a flex type of motion. It works. And it is so maddening to me that Tech has never done this type of work to get their shooters open. Go watch some of the best offensive teams in college basketball. Like, for me, I've watched a lot of, like, everyone knows that, you know, in the Big Ten specifically, you have offenses like Purdue, you have offenses like Illinois, you have offenses like Iowa, that if you watch them, they are so different offensively. And if Tech could implement any style, that represents any type of offense with the type of defense that we know that they can play. This team is a top 10 team every single season, but for years now, it it killed us in the NCAA tournament against Duke last year because, you know, their form of offense, they run the style where they get their best players. Look, they got Paulo Bancaro tons of looks in the sweet 16, yet we couldn't get Bryson Williams, an open look. We couldn't get Kevin O'Banner, an open look when he was on fire in the tournament. We couldn't get any of our 
great players last season, open looks when it matters. And now when we don't have as a lead of defense and we have probably to me right now, I don't think this offense is much worse than they were last year. I don't think that, you know, we're missing the guys to run this type of offense. It's the type of offense that we're running. And, you know, Iowa State, I'll give it to them. Since TJ, TJ Oltelberger has got there, they have, they're probably right up there with Tech as far as, like, you know, the elite defenses of the last two seasons. But to score 50 points in the way that we did, because, like you said, we were chucking up threes, just contested threes, and it was really pissing me off there. But it's just... <sighs> So Tech last year, the reason when we did have offensive success, the reason we sometimes got open looks from guys like Adonis Arms, Davion Warren, and those guys, it's because we had Williams down low and we could kind of go to the inside-out motion. Right now, I'm sorry, but Daniel Bacho just can't do that. Uh, I I don't know what it is. Like, Bacho, he, yes, he's very much improved this season, but he's still very raw. He should not be getting to me just watching him out there he still should only be getting like 20 minutes a game and i think that that is partially killing this team on offense because he can't do much on the perimeter he down low he's just his footwork still isn't great he's still like a big giraffe down there to me that's like he's still learning offensively and that's not a bad thing but we also can't be relying on a guy like that to be one of our main sources of offense because it affects the entire offense. And that was no, like we saw that in the first like three possessions last night. I think he started the game off with three straight turnovers. Like it's teams are going to, especially in the big 12, when they see that on film, teams are going to start targeting Bacho. And, you know, we have to hope and pray that Fardaz Amak is going to be back, but we need him like yesterday because I've kind of been pushing the point that a guy like Amak, you bring him in and you have that Bryson Williams type of guy, it completely changes this team. But at this point, you know, we're getting to the point we start out like 0 and 6, 0 and 7 in the Big 12. It's not going to matter because right now, the way this non conference was set up, this tech team is going to have to go. I would say nine and nine in conference to even get a look at the tournament. Uh, eight and ten, you might have a chance to get into the play-in, but as of right now, you need to probably be at five hundred in the conference. And the only way Tech is going to get there, it, it's going to have to start with a win against Texas. And you know that is not going to happen unless we see a fundamental change in this offense to get our shooters better looks and get better looks for guys like Kevin O'Banner, who does his best work down in the post, get him the ball down there. We aren't getting him the ball. And, you know, he's not being aggressive either. That doesn't help. But, you know, you guys talked about a lot of different things from the OU game and now in the Iowa State game. You know, whether it's the team not looking like they give a shit, whether it's, you know, guys playing too fast, there's so many problems right now that need to be addressed. But I do want to mention a couple other things from that Iowa State game. You know, there's a couple things, you know, there's a couple times where just it's not your damn night. And the combination of Tech playing probably the worst game they've played in a decade, but also, I mean, let's be real here, even though you know, Tech did play some pretty bad defense. 
Iowa State's not going to have another game where they shoot like that all year. I've, If you know me, you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm from Iowa. I watch a lot of Iowa State basketball. Um, they haven't shot like that in at least since like guys like Monte Morris and Naz Long were there. And Gabe Kalisher, when he's hitting step back threes in the corner on you, when that guy, 50% of his corner threes hit the side of the backboard, uh, you just know it's not your night. But to lose the way they did, yes, it it's maddening. But at the end of the day, a blowout loss in Hilton Coliseum does not determine your season. Uh, you know, go back to the 2018-19 or 2017-18 season. Tech was a top 10 team. Uh, I was at that game. They got the doors blown off in Hilton. They went on to the Elite Eight. You know, it's not the end of the world, but we are getting to the point now where it's do or die for this team starting on Saturday. And I hate to say that, like, at this point in the season, we're only four games into Big 12 play, but it truly is. And if Coach Adams and the rest of this coaching staff can't get this team rallied around them because they are where it starts, and I guarantee you all Tech fans have his have the coaching staff's back on this. They want to see a successful basketball team, and we all know that the talent is there. The coaches have to be better. The players obviously have to be better. And the fans just have to keep supporting. And that's what Noren Zodias had tweeted out last night. And I really kind of agree with his sentiment. But, you know, it's got to start soon. And the offense has to get better. We have to get better looks. And like Jack said, this is not a Steve Green offense. I, You know, he said he's been to games. I sat down and watched some film on his offenses. And... Truly, Steve Green's offense is a Golden State Warriors type of offense. You know, he gets his shooters open looks. They run. And, you know, I think we're seeing, to me, we see some of his kind of ideals in the transition game. But when it comes to the half court, this is the same old tech shit. We're seeing the three-man weave. Like, sixth graders run that fucking offense. Like, you know, we could... Us four and some random dude off the street, we could go out there and run that same fucking offense and probably run it just as good as Tech has been. So, you know, if I can see that, if we all can see that, the coaches need to sit down on film and figure out what the hell to do because it's just not working. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's where the real kick in the pants is, and it's something I hinted at, right? Like I, we, the offense is is a known problem, and it was on display in full that night with guy with Bacho was a minus, O'Banner a minus, Isaac minus, Tyson minus, Harmon minus. That that's not going to happen that often. Where all of those guys play, I think a bad basketball game. You know, that hurt your offense more than anything. Most nights, more often than not, Isaac is going to shoot between thirty to forty percent from beyond the arc. Um, and if he does that this game, I think the whole thing is far different his bad shooting night changed everything most nights um Bacho's not going to have four turnovers and be just a complete drag on the offense if he even plays a reasonable offensive game and 
and does his job, posts people up, distributes, you have a good night. Um, if Tyson, most games, is going to be more than a five-point scorer. Um, O'Banner, most nights, is going to do better than two for four from the field and 0 for two from three-point. He's going to take more shots than that. If any of these guys have a characteristic night, I think Tech has a much better game. Um, and why I mention this is like, like I said, I expect Isaacs to score 15 to 17 most nights now. He looks that good. He is that talented. O'Banner is that good. Harmon is that good. Tyson showing potential. Bacho can really help you out. These guys look like they can put together decent offensive performances. I think the system's flawed, and I think Jack and Kendall pretty much highlighted why, but they look like normally we'd score 60 to 70 points this night. But here's the problem. Why do you lose by 34? Because the defense was fucking awful in this game. And this is a problem that we have to talk about, and it's the first time under Mark Adams we've ever talked about this, which is what the hell do you do with a defensive-orientated system? Like, the whole program is built around that identity when it's not working. And what, how do, what are we identifying as the problem? How do you go about fixing it? Jack, I'll go to you there first. What, what do you do? What, who, who, who do you circle up? What guys do you circle as being, here's the guys we got to help get better, and here's how we can fix this? Well, you got to go at, at what point do you not go to your veteran guys? I mean, yeah, this team is extremely young, right? But you have guys on this roster and on this team that have been here. It's not like we completely swapped out our full roster. It's not like every single guy that's getting any run in these games is brand new to Lubbock, right? Like these guys, some of these guys have been here. Kevin O'Banner's been here. Um, you know, KJ Allen's been here. Bacho's been here. Um, I mean, you get into the. I mean, Jalen Tyson knows what this is about. Um, Davion Harmon played against this for two years while he was at OU. He knows what Texas Tech is about. Uh, so you get to a point where you have to start looking to some of these other guys. Jalen Tyson was, was in the, uh, system at Texas. If you think Chris Beard is, wasn't running the same system at Texas, you weren't paying attention. So these guys... Aren't, it's not like these guys are just now learning to play defense for the first time in their life. Maybe it is the case for Pop Isaacs. Maybe it is the case for Elijah Fisher. Um, I don't buy it for Lamar Washington because Lamar Washington is too good in the dirty areas of the game to be playing defense for the first time. Um I mean, like you said, these are these are people that you expect to have high-quality defense. And to be blunt, it just looks like pure laziness. You couple that with the body language we've seen the last two games from this team, it looks like pure and utter laziness. These guys don't want to be there. They don't want to play defense. All they want to do is try and shoot the ball and score 20 points a game. Well, actually, I can't really say that because, I mean, your guys who... Well, your guy that you're expecting to carry this team offensively went, only shot the ball uh, four times last game from the field and three from the line came up with seven points. Um, I want to add on something real quick before we continue on with the defensive conversation, and I think it's a big reason. We've touched on this as a site. Uh, we got drug as a site earlier in the season for highlighting this. 
Uh, it was only three games, and uh, there was a very big apparent issue, and we got drugged for it only being three games into the season. Um, through four games, this team has 70 turnovers. Through four games, 7-0, 70 turnovers. That's a nice average of 17.5 turnovers a game. I don't care what team you are, and I don't care what conference you're in, you're not going to win games averaging 17 to 18 turnovers a game. Um, turnovers are why you lost... Well, um, I, I wouldn't say turnovers are why you lost the OU game, really. Um, but turnovers are definitely why you lost the TCU game. Uh, you had 23 in that one. Uh, Kansas, it's a big reason. You had 15 in that one. You only lost by three to number three ranked Kansas at home. Um and then last night, uh, you had 19. Uh, I know Kendall was there for that, so he knows what I'm talking about. Um, you had three starters have more, four or more turnovers. Um, you only had one guy off the bench with even one, and it was Lamar Washington in 16 minutes. He only had one turnover. Um, 18 of your 19 turnovers came from your starters, and... One of your one of your starters didn't even play twenty minutes of floor time. You, you're you're getting into a lot of a lot of things, and and I bring this up when we're talking about defense for for a specific reason. It's not just the defense; it's not a defensive issue; it's an everything issue. And I think we've made it pretty clear. But when it comes to defense, it just looks to me. I don't know how it seems to y'all. Kendall, you can probably answer this the best out of all of us because you were at the game last night. It just looks to me like they can't even be bothered to to play solid D. Um, to me, there are... I know that there are people playing through injuries, playing through sickness, whatever it is, whatever excuse we want to throw at the board and see if it sticks. But... When when you got bigs that can't post up guards from the other team, um, I'm, we're gonna have to we're gonna need to have some conversations, and uh, I think that I, I'm glad the defensive question was asked because I think it's a very big microcosm of the team as a whole. I, it just seems to me like this team can't be bothered. Uh, to do the little things that have made this team good for the last five, six, seven years. Um, those teams took care of the little details. They did the dirty work. They, you know, I, I don't know if I'm just just spouting off here, but I, I feel like I can just tell this team doesn't do the little things. They are just relying on talent um, and... You can see what it gets you. It gets you 0-4 in conference. You're going down to Austin on Saturday to play a team. And if you're not careful, I I mean, I'll say it if, if it, it needs to be said. This team could do the same thing that Iowa State did to you. Uh, I know that they lost Beard because of his off-the-court issues, but... Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen are playing like they were supposed to last year 
they're playing well this year. Uh, they added Tyrese Hunter, and he's been a huge piece for Texas. He, he's been really good. Um, this team at Texas is really good. Uh, so it's it's time to wake. I mean, to be honest, it's time to wake the fuck up. And if a thirty-four point loss on the road doesn't do it, I don't know if there anything if there is anything that will do it at this point. Do you know what's crazy about this? Oh, go ahead, Kendall. Me and Mike just keep going right over each other. But, you know, the main thing that you mentioned there is they don't do the little things. And, you know, this is the like a carbon copy to me about, and I talked, I said this to you guys in the Slack chat too. This program, it, it's not, weird for a successful program to have a down year every couple of years, you know, like, you know, Kentucky, they suck this year, you know, North Carolina, they're not great this year. There's been plenty of programs that have built themselves up to a certain stature and they have their off years. I am not, I don't think anybody is going to criticize Mark Adams for having a down year. But still, it's the fact that this doesn't even look like a Mark Adams basketball team. And that Jack made a great point. It just seems like they don't do the little things that this that a Mark Adams basketball team does. Because to me, this is eerily similar, similar to the season after our Final Four. You know, that 1920 season where I hate to break it to a lot of people. That team was probably not making the tournament. They were... You know, a lot of people had him in the last four in if they would have beat Texas in that first Big 12 tournament game. And I don't think they would have beat Texas in that first Big 12 tournament game. But that team benefited because the Big 12 was much weaker that season than what we see nowadays. But at the end of the day, it's still the same thing. You know, this team, in my opinion, you could probably plug them in and just about any other conference, and they're probably sitting right at the middle of the conference, but they're not in any other conference. They're in the Big 12, and if you can't defend in the Big 12, which, shocking, this team can't right now. They are so slow on defensive rotations, and I don't, I hate like calling out individual players, and I'm not even meaning to, because it's not his fault, but Daniel Bacho he can't do what past tech centers have been able to do defensively. It's not because he's a bad basketball player. It's because of he doesn't have the same versatility that, you know, Bryson Williams and Marcus Santos Silva had last year. He's not the perimeter. He can't guard on the perimeter whatsoever. He And he makes up for that a lot by when he's down low, just being able to kind of recover and swat the shit out of someone every once in a while. But I think that is really kind of hurting a lot of this defensive rotations. But at the same time, you know, you get a guy like Robert Jennings go in there when he subs in for Bacho, and we're seeing a lot of the same issues. So it's definitely not all on the fact that we don't have the versatility from Bacho. But, and... Me and Macon last week when we talked, uh, you know, on our episode that we did together, I mentioned a lot that, you know, you get a guy like Amac in there, he he fixes a lot. But at the end of the day, 
I don't know that he can fix the whole team being so slow on a lot of defensive rotations. And, you know, last night they did cause some turnovers. They got lucky on a lot of them. I was there sitting, you know, right by one of the baskets. Tech got extremely lucky in that first half with just, you know, a couple times Pop went in there and swiped at the ball and he kind of got it out there and got, you know, some fast break. We're lucky we didn't lose this game by 40 or 50. You know, like at the end of the day, this team has a lot of soul searching to do and we're going to find out what the hell they're made of on Saturday and we're going to find out if they're going to be a team that's just going to lie down and let teams kick them while they're down already or if they're ready to be the dogs that everyone expects out of a Texas Tech basketball team, not just the fans. Everyone around the nation expects Texas Tech basketball, even if they aren't the best basketball team, to be guys that are going to sit in there, take a punch and fight. And I really think we're going to find out if this group of guys is really represents what everybody knows Texas Tech basketball is. Yeah, I think what's crazy about this to me and is you bring in Pop Isaacs, who is a guy that we all love on the offensive end. And the craziest thing to me, there are two guys defensively against Iowa State who I thought looked like they were actively trying to play defense more often than not. And it was Pop Isaacs and Harmon, right? Like, and that's bullshit. Those are two guards who you did not bring here to play defense. Harmon was brought here to run the point on offense, and Isaacs was brought here to shoot the leather off the ball. And those are the guys who look like they care the most on the defensive end right now. They're the guys who look like they're trying the best. I don't break down film well enough to tell you who all makes mistakes when. And I know Harmon has tons of lapses on the defensive end. But they were the only two guys I've noticed in recent, in that game, who especially when things started to turn, looked like they gave a shit defensively. And that's that's problematic. And it's... You know, like Kendall pointed out, you're not suddenly going to see some of these guys like change who they are. Bacho's not suddenly going to become Tariq Owens. Um, 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 you know, the, the, that's just not going to happen. These guys aren't suddenly going to become like Matt Mooney-esque type guards with just unbelievable range and hands and just perfect defense, you know. But we can see maybe a bit more like how Morrow handled it, right? Like he developed from year one to year two into a plus defender when his freshman year, you guys remember, he was unplayable. You could not leave him on the basketball court because he could not play defense. Right now, we got a team of guys who look like that. And you need them to recognize what the problem is. And I don't know if it's effort. It's We pointed it out. You know, it sure looks like at times that the body language is so bad that they look like they're lazy or don't really care to make the extra slide. It, it just... It, it isn't tech basketball, whatever the thing is. And, you know, when you're when the guys I noticed the most are you're, the guys you absolutely did not bring here to play defense or the guys who I think look like they're trying the hardest to figure it out. And here's the thing. Like I said, Harmon is one of the guys. He's a huge problem defensively, just losing his man. I'm not trying to pretend he look, but he looks like he wants to play defense. And I think this is a moment where Kevin O'Banner, as the veteran leader of this team, needs to get in everybody's face. Right? Like, this has to be his team to take over now. Norris Odiase did it during the national title run, right? Like, you guys, I, I was listening to a podcast I did the other day um, to. Um, I, I was trying to remember the name of the guy. I, College Basketball Stories it was like a drunk podcast thing. I was thinking about it the other day, so I was listening to it because I really liked 
I really like thinking of, like looking at highlights from that national title run. And obviously that podcast was about that. So it was fun to listen to the, the conversation I had with those guys about it. Um, but one of the things I we talked about in that podcast when I was doing it with them is we were all talking about uh, Norit Sodiase's leadership, right? Like a guy who didn't really show up in the stat sheet but was absolutely essential to the team's success. That's what we need O'Banner to do. Maybe he doesn't have it in him to be a 15-point scorer every night. We'd love for him to be. We're counting on him to be. But maybe that's not him. It, he's he's a forward who with a great shot, but that's not necessarily the penultimate scoring machine kind of build. Tech's offense is fundamentally broken. It doesn't highlight his strengths very well. It feels like even when he's scoring at a high clip, we're pressing a lot to make that happen. So maybe he needs to settle back into more of an Oren Sodiase role, which is what he did last year, right? Like, he was not a huge scorer until the tournament, really, right? Like, he gave you good minutes, hit big shots, but he was plus defender, rebounded the ball, played hard. We need him to take over this team. That's what we need. We need him to take over this team. I've seen plenty of moments where guys like Isaacs or Tyson are at least trying to call out the defense. I need to see moments where O'Banner's in somebody's face getting him to rotate. I need to see that. And I think all these guys are capable of so much more, and that's what's frustrating. We have the talent. We have the talent. It's there. It's just got to coach him up, which brings us to the last point I want to talk about before. We're running a little long now. We're going to go ahead and roll um, with it through about 15, 20 more minutes, I think, because I want to cover two, one last topic, and that is Mark Adams as a coach, and then we're going to switch over to finally predicting the Texas score. I want to talk a little bit about that. So, Reed, I'm going to open up this to you first. There's a lot of noise being made about the locker room, about problems with the coaching staff, all this jazz. How much of the blame for what is going on should actually be laid at the feet of Mark Adams, and how much of this is just kind of the inevitable cycle of basketball that to have a down year? Yeah, I think part of it is um, tech fans are not used to this um, kind of negative uh, era kind of surrounding the, the tech basketball team because we haven't had this in you know in a number of years. Um, we've kind of had our, our golden era of tech basketball, and that's what people have gotten used to. Uh, it didn't used to be that way by, by any means. It used to be pretty pretty awful, you know, a decade plus ago. Uh, the Pat Knight era is like you're you're referring to and some other instances in, in tech history where we are just not a good program whatsoever. Um, I don't think our program is bad by any means. We've got a good coaching staff. We've got a good coach at the helm. We're having a down year. Um, there's still plenty of time to turn the, the tide. Um, I think a lot of people have speculated, you know, what is going on within the coaching staff Nobody is really going to know what's going on within the staff unless you're on it or you're, you know, you're involved with the team somehow um, in, in a certain way. So nobody can really speculate what's if there's actually is an issue with, with somebody or with numerous people within it um, with another side on that on that uh, you know kind of aspect of the staff. But um, I think it's more of just kind of a swamp. It's just taking this 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 time. Um, trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different pieces on this team that we didn't have last year, and that goes for the staff as well. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot new. There's a lot more assistant coaches on this uh, staff this year that weren't on, their, on the team last year, and um, I think it's kind of Adams' first roadblock, first major roadblock, I guess, uh, as head coach. I think the injury to AMAC set things a, a lot further back than people may have realized. 
Um, obviously, we haven't seen AMAC play with this team yet, so we don't really know how much he does help the team. But I think that may have set some some building blocks back a lot further than people um, initially could have thought. And you know, I, I think if if he provides what I think he can provide, um, I don't think you're you're zero four right now in the Big Twelve. You're probably sitting at five hundred at the worst, maybe even better. I don't know because um, I mean, if you think about a week ago, we lost. Uh, Two games to TCU and Kansas back-to-back were, I mean, if I'm being honest, you probably should have won both of them. Um, at least you had a chance to win both of them, um, and you just didn't find a way to win down the stretch. But if he's anything like Bryson Williams at any point, then uh, you got a steady guy down low to score the ball and hit some shots for you around the, around the, uh, around the arc and stuff. Um, this team's looking a lot better, so – I think Adams just needs to keep riding the course. Obviously, there's problems that you have to get kinked out, just like with any other team. But um, if we can figure out the turnovers, my my God, obviously, I think that's been the biggest problem. If we can just figure that out, it would help a lot of uh, a lot of issues and just kind of calm some nerves because I feel like everybody's on eggshells right now. Uh, I think they're kind of fighting a little too hard, just trying to go out for a win rather than settling in and just playing the game and letting it come to them. So. I think with time, we'll hopefully we'll get it figured out. Um, I'm not expecting an, a Final Four run or anything this year, but uh, I mean that's not a normal thing to uh, kind of expect yourself to be in for most programs. So I'm going to give Mark Adams some time to try and gel out what's going on, and you know hopefully we'll see some positive results pretty quick. Speaking of positive results, you are now staring down three very tough games. I mean, every week's tough in the Big 12, but you got to go on the road to face Texas. You have a Baylor team that's not meeting expectations, but is still very good coming to your house. And then you got to go on the road to a suddenly top 10 Kansas State team. There is a realistic possibility of 0-3. Um, I don't think Tech is so far beyond the eight ball. Like you mentioned, TCU and Kansas were near wins, and OU, that you're just guaranteed that reality. You just have to play better into standard in order to, 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 to get over the hump and get your first Big 12 win. And the best, I tweeted this last night on the Hub account, the best time to get your, your first Big 12 win is now. It's always the next game. That's the best time to start winning. Um, Texas is obviously with now without Chris Beard. I'm not really going to comment on his situation um, very much. It, it, it's a sensitive subject. And all I'll say about it is that Texas made the decision they had to make, and I'm surprised it took them so long to make that decision. But, you know, he's not there anymore. They're coaching with uh, Coach Terry, I think, is the guy who took over as the interim head coach. Um, It's an interesting situation. That's an incredibly talented team who suddenly lost the guy who kind of makes the engine go. You know, like Mark Adams created the no middle. Chris Beard was the one who was directing it at Texas. So what do you do without your floor general? What, What do you do? Um, so they're, they're, they're behind the eight ball a bit now, but it's still in the Moody Center. It should be a very crowded um, outing. The tickets for this game were insane, like $500 a pop. That, that, that's what happens when you cut 5,000 tickets out of your, out of your potential um, pool. So right now, Texas is playing against TCU. Um, TCU, it's it's very early in this game, but TCU's up 14 in the first half with about 3.45 to go. Long time to go. Basketball's a game of runs. Texas could easily make a game out of this or win. Um, but it's something to watch for Tech fans. Texas will be a little bit on shorthanded rest. Game's played late Saturday. But there is no doubt which team has looked better this year, and that's Texas by a wide degree. Um, they don't have the same concerns that Tech does. 
So let's break it down just a little bit. We are long on time, so I don't want to go too long, but we do need to break down the Texas game a bit. I want to start first by just going to Jack. Jack, I'll let you kind of go with this topic a bit, and depending where the time's at, we may just go straight into predictions and give everybody a chance to give their two cents generally. But Jack, Texas has a lot of guys you can score. Their their Big 12 loss against Kansas State was one of the highest scoring Big 12 games ever. And then alternatively, they won an ugly game last time out against Oklahoma State by 10. Uh, Oklahoma State not particularly good, but really pushed Texas. That was a 56-46 game. So they can win both ways. They have the scoring if they, they if you give it to them, or they can play some pretty hard-nosed defense. Guys to watch in this game obviously being Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter. Um, those guys are probably the two guards that Tech should fear the most. Those guys do a lot of shooting and scoring for that team. How do you attack? How should Tech attack Texas? How can they get this done and get out of the Moody Center with a win that could potentially change your entire season? I think you watch every single second of the film that uh, was from the Kansas State game. Uh, You don't go into a... I don't even know if they were at the time, but I know they were right a top 10 team and score 116 points or however many points they scored uh, on accident. Uh, Jerome Tang is a fantastic coach at Kansas State. And, um, you know, it's a shock to me that it took so long for him to get hired away from Scott Drew's assistant pool at Baylor. But uh I really think that if you're if you're Mark Adams, if you're Steve Green, uh, if you're Corey Williams, I mean, I mean, you're looking at that Kansas State film and you're seeing what Kansas State exploited in that game. Um, I think that you go around and there are a lot of, I mean. At Texas, they have a lot of guys that can score, right? Like they're playing, they're playing a lot better uh, this year than they did last year, and I think that it's very, um, I think that it's very obvious that um, these guys have gelled a little bit more. They've had a lot more time to, uh, you know, get to know each other and 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 play really well together. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to Kansas State in, in that Texas game, you know, they scored 58 points in each half, which saying it out loud, it made me laugh because of how ridiculous it was. Um, you know, Marquise Knoll had, had 36 in that game, uh, 36 points. Um, he got to the line a lot. They shot 31 of 33 from the line in that game. Um, So, you know, I think a valid way to at least kind of, kind of put Texas on its heels is to, is to drive the lane, Uh, you know, draw fouls. Uh, I don't know who the reffing crew will be. um, And, and I hope uh, there's one I can't even remember his name off the top of my head who's been really bad uh, for Big Twelve crew, but um, they drove the ball really well in the lane. Every single one of their starters went to the line to shoot at least two free throws. They had multiple guys shoot over 
at least seven free throws. Um, again, like I mentioned, they were 31 of 33 from the line. They also shot 54% from three in that game. Um, so when you play eight guys, which is all Kansas State played in that game, they played eight guys. Um, Keontae Johnson, first off, I just I have to shed light on this. Um, he should get comeback player of the year if they have they have that in NCAA basketball, I'm pretty sure. Um what a story. Uh, you know, collapsing on the court uh at Florida a couple years back and now he's transferred to Kansas State and uh he's he's just balling out, which uh I mean, as when in the two games a year they're not playing tech, you know, I'll I'll root for him for sure, because that's that's a feel good story. Um, but to get back to this, um, I would drive the lane as much as I could. Um, this is a tech team that, uh, really kind of settles for the three at times. So I, I, I think you kind of want to buck against the trend and, and drive the lane as much as possible. Um, you know, they, in that, in this game against Kansas state that I'm looking at, uh, Texas had 26 personal fouls. That's quite a bit. So um, Marcus Carr, uh, Tyrese Hunter, and Timmy Allen all finished the game with four personals. Uh, so I think if you drive and you and you force them to play some defense that they're not super comfortable uh, with playing, that you, you can probably get to the line enough to where uh, you can keep this a manageable game. Uh, it just depends on which tech team you're getting from the line, because there have been games where tech has been flawless from the line, but there have also been games where we've shot 30% from the line. Uh, it's very inconsistent. And, um, so my, my personal view would be to drive the ball as much as possible, uh, get to the free throw line, but also, um, Texas is kind of, in in certain situations, getting bit by the same bug that we are, they're giving up a lot of uh, open three situations. So I would I would do that, and I would drive the ball, look for kickouts. If it's not there, go right back in and try and draw a foul. Um, I I interacted with uh, someone last night on the Viva Twitter, and and it made me laugh uh, because I said because uh, I mentioned how bad tech had been from three and someone, someone replied to, I can't even remember who it was. Someone replied, uh, you know, tech should probably learn how to make twos first before they make threes. And, and I, and I audibly laughed out loud. And, and, and I think that's a real, that's a real fact. I, I, I feel like this team really settles for three a lot more than they should. Um, you know, Pop Isaacs is is a bit of an outlier, and that's fine. But there are some other guys that I really think should, you know, if you pump fake and get the guy in the air, take three dribbles into the elbow and and take you know a twelve foot shot to the rim. I, that's a lot easier shot to make than a three. Um, but you know, essentially, that would be how I do it. I'd try and drive the lane as much as possible uh, to draw fouls. All right, let's get into the predictions because I want to close out 
we haven't done this this year, largely because we were recording after the fact, and so much has been going kind of not well or kind of wild with the Kansas game in particular, um, and now Iowa State, that we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about look ahead any. Um, so let's go to predictions. Reed, I'll go to you first. Uh, Texas is, by the way, in the process of getting drilled by TCU. The game's gotten kind of one-handed. But again, very early basketball is a game of runs. I could easily change. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But regardless of that outcome, is this the week Tech finally gets on the board in the Big 12? Can they get the road win and start trying to right the ship? Or is this one kind of a lost cause and we try again against Baylor? You know, I think it's probably not a lost cause. Um, but I'm just more interested to see how we respond after, you know, kind of what we did yesterday. Uh, I don't I don't know who's going to kind of wake this team up, whether it's at the coaching level or at, at the player level. Um, what needs to be said, what needs to be done for uh, the team to kind of just wake up and, you know, kind of get their head out of the gutter and just move forward past last night. Um, it was kind of like what Kendall said. Obviously, it was a bad game, but we've gotten killed at Hilton before and it hadn't been. The season's over either. So, um, you know, obviously, we're, we're not off to a good start, but there's plenty of basketball left. If we can start stringing some wins together, um, we can still make a salvageable season out of this year. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think we win Saturday at Texas. Uh, I think it's going to be – I don't know – I'd probably like to think Texas is favored by maybe the, the eight to nine range. Um, that might be too much depending on what happens tonight um, against TCU. But I think, I think Iowa state was favored by like four and a half at tip last night. So I think probably doubled that um, after you know what we did last night's probably about right. Um, and I think nine to 10 point loss is probably on par with what I would put. Uh, I think we, we kind of keep it competitive for a while. Turnovers, I could see being a problem again. Um, I haven't really watched Texas much this year, but if their defense is um, what ours is supposed to be, then I'm sure we'll have a problem with turnovers uh, as we have uh, against, I mean, even against defenses that aren't really particularly that good. Uh, we still find ways to turn the ball over. So um, I think that's going to be an issue. And then it's going to be an Achilles heel. It's really going to, um, possibly damper us from trying to win the game. But I think we, we uh, show some fight and we do make some more shots and keep it close. But at the end of the day, I don't think we were able to get over the hump this week. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking thinking better better thoughts next week against Baylor. All right, Kendall, go to you next. Can Tech, or should I say, do you think Tech will get this done or are we heading back to the drawing board and trying it again against the Baylor Bears? I think Reed just broke the number one um, Viva rule, which is never picking UT to beat Tech, even though, um, even when it's most likely to happen. Hey, I, I, I never said UT would win. I just didn't say Tech would. Tech would win. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, but you know, all seriousness, Texas. Jack said it towards the beginning of this pod. Texas is a damn good basketball team. Like I, and. You know, I genuinely don't know where, you know, a lot of their players' minds are at because uh, with all the situation off the court that really isn't fair for any of them. But at the end of the day, this game's still, you know, Tech, they're going to be ready. You know, as much 
grief of we've given that team after last night's performance, they're going to be ready because I just, I just have a good feeling. Mark Adams, even if it's just for one game, he's really going to light a fire under these guys. So I am going to pick, I think tech will win it. Um, I'm, based off of how both teams have kind of been offensively, mostly Texas against Oklahoma State and right now against TCU and Tech throughout uh, Big 12 play. Um, I'm thinking we're going to see like a 64-61 type game. Uh, but, you know, I probably wouldn't put money on that. Okay, so this is kind of a funny one because without Chris Beer, Texas is a totally different team. Right, like I'm, I'm not gonna gloat at his demise the way that it happened, or say that I'm glad it happened to Texas or anything like that. But it's reality. Losing Chris Beard that way is a massive blow to the horns, and it helps Tech significantly. Um, sports is secondary in this situation, and first and foremost, by the way, this needs to be set right. Like I don't think Chris Beard will ever coach in major college basketball again. Um, but I absolutely don't want people talking about bringing him back to Lubbock. Right, like, what's not do that? Besides the fact that, like, you should never bring a guy back like that under any circumstances after how he handled the situation. But if Mark Adams really isn't the answer, if this season blows up and next year's shot to shit, to like, let's not play that game like we like some people like to do with our Bryles, right? Like, he did a terrible thing, and it's sad for his family, it's sad for the friends of his family, it's sad for people around that program. It's horrible for his players, horrible for his kids. It's a bad situation. You know, treat it with some sensitivity, recognize that it is it is on the court. You know, it does help tech a bit if you're, you know, a gambler and you're wondering what the spread should be. Not having the head coach is a bad thing, um, but put, treat it with sensitivity and don't be the guy who's like, well, Mark Adams sucks. We should go back to Beard um, because for one thing is Mark Adams like half the reason for that squad success. So, you know, that being said, as for this week with Beard out with Texas kind of reeling, right? Like they, they got horse raced by Kansas State. They beat Oklahoma State ugly, ugly, ugly. And now they've got a a real fight on their hands with TCU um, that they're trying to to claw their way back into the game in. So I think Texas is going to be a bit on their heels. um, But Tech is also kind of on its ass right now. And I I don't know if this team's going to get off the mat. Right? You're 0-4. This stretch will define your season. If you cannot win two out of the next three games, your season's basically over. Uh that's, you know, not a guarantee. You remember the 2019 team looked really bad and won 10 straight and ended up winning the Big 12. You can rattle off runs in this conference, but it's, I think it's really got to start this Saturday. you you got to get this win. I mean, beating Texas means a lot to this program. Even now that Chris Beard's gone, it means a lot to this program just to beat Texas. Um, you haven't lost really to the horns that often much in the last few years, and I'd like that trend to continue. Um I think that will it happen? It's going to depend on three players. It's going to depend on Kevin O'Banner finding his stroke again, being more assertive, being a senior leader. It's going to depend on um, Daniel Bacho having a great game. You have to have the help down low. You just do. Tech's getting out-rebounded, out-played down low. He's got to have an outstanding game. And it's going to depend on Pop Isaacs coming back. And, you know, last Iowa State, maybe it was just a rush from injury, right? Like, he, he's played well in Big 12 play outside of that game. So maybe that was it. Maybe the injury kind of shook him up a bit, and he'll shake it off. But you need those three guys to be outstanding. Because um, Pop Isaacs and O'Banner are leading the way in scoring, and Bacho's rebounding the ball, distributing the ball well from underneath, scoring. A, 
I don't think he even needs a double-double. Need to be a double-double machine. Will that help? I think those three guys will decide it. I think Pop and O'Banner are due for a big game. Uh, I think Bacho's due to play better. But it's tough. I'm going to pick Tech just because I think Texas is in kind of bad shape too. And we'd be talking about it more if they hadn't done such a good job in the interim of Chris Beard being gone, taking care of business. But I think the cracks are starting to show in their team too. And Tech can take advantage of that to get their first Big 12 win. But those three guys I highlighted, those are who I'm watching. If Pop's efficient from deep, Tech will be in good shape. If O'Banner's assertive in the offense and leads this team, Tech will be in good shape. And if Bacho plays well underneath, Tech will be in good shape. If you don't get that from those three guys, you're going to have to have some heroic efforts from Tyson Harmon and probably Washington's right now, your sixth man. Um, and that's going to be a hard hill to climb. But I, I think that, you know, Pop is phenomenal. Obama is phenomenal. Bacho is phenomenal. I, I like all of our starters. They're so talented. Um, and I think they're just I, – I pray that, you know, I think Norris and Brandon Francis had an exchange on Twitter about this. But, like, after losses like that, those teams had real come-to-Jesus meetings. And I hope that that's what happened. I hope these guys don't get down. They get pissed. And that they go and they play on fire. I want to see a tech team that cares. I want to see the starters care. I want to see the bench care. I want to see Mark Adams coach like he's angry. And I want to see a team that plays like it has nothing to lose. Because you don't at this point. You are on thin ice. You have got to get a win. And it's got to start this Saturday. Um, A loss could break this team. So I'm going to pick Tech just because the alternative is too depressing to think about. Let's get it done in Austin. Jack, you're last up. Can Tech get this done? Um, you know, I, I sat here and I thought about it for a while. I, I talked about earlier this pod, uh, about how good Texas is, um, about how, uh, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen are playing as well as they were supposed to last year, but they're actually doing it this year. Um, add in Tyrese Hunter to the mix. Uh, it's a good team. Add in the fact that it's in Austin uh, and it's not at the Irwin Center, so we can't buy out or we can't show up in force and we can't take over, you know, 90% of the arena anymore because they cut out 5,000 seats. Ironically, because Chris Beard wanted it that way, who has now been fired. uh, So they're kind of having to make do with an arena that might not even be the wishes of their next coach. Um, on a side note, that's pretty comical to me. Uh, but I will say I, I, there is a lot of, there's a lot of fact in what you said, you know, um, now's the best time to get that first win. Uh, I I really think that um, tech tech tries to or tech does pretty well of getting up for Texas each year. Um, we do in most sports. I say most sports. Um, I, I I really think that um, I would you know personally I would love it if Jalen Tyson came out and scored like thirty five points in this game. Uh, it, it would be really nice, and it would be uh, just kind of a fuck you game. But at the same time, uh, you know, they are improving defensively. Um, we've kind of taken a step back defensively. Um, 
our offense is kind of MIA as of late. Um, and they kind of, but the thing that I look at the most in this game is their last two games. Like you mentioned, they, they had a shootout with K state and then they won ugly at Oklahoma state, right? Um, they're playing to the, the game that their opponent wants to play. So, I think we can we can kind of control this game. We can kind of make this game the way we want it to. Um, I'm not going to break the Viva rule, and I am going to pick Tech um, to get their first Big 12 win this weekend. And the only reason is because I think a lot of these guys are still kind of reeling with the Chris Beard situation. And I also think that... Um, I also think that Texas is kind of a little lost as a team. Uh, they're kind of going through what we are, not as not on as big of a scale, um, but they're kind of all over the place. Like you mentioned, Mike, you know, you, you give up 116 points one game, uh, but then the next game you give up 46. Uh, but, you know, you score 106, but then you only score 56. So you kind of don't know what you're going to get. Uh, they're kind of uber-focused on one aspect of their game. They're either focused on their offense or their defense. It's never both. So I, I think you can exploit that as, a, as an opponent, and uh, I think that you, uh, you can really work that to your advantage. So, um, you know, I guess my better – I'm going to pick Tech. Um, I think it's going to be ugly. If, if Tech does pull it out, when, I guess I should say, when Tech pulls it out, it's going to be ugly. Um, but I think if you force them to play an ugly game, kind of like they did against Oklahoma State, I, I think I think you can keep yourself in it. So that's going to end our show today. Um, we will talk about the football end of season, the forecast for that program, all that jazz. I'm hoping... Tech will beat Texas and start a little bit of a win streak, and we'll have more positive things to talk about, which will change. We won't have quite as much to discuss if things are going well, because that's more fun. We can we can highlight the good stuff and not have to focus on so many different areas that are, are problematic. And then we'll really dive into football. We will get there, I promise. We hope to rally up after the... F- we're maybe going to record again this weekend. We'll kind of play that by ear. But we hope, whatever the case, our next recording is to discuss a Texas win. And depending on the timing, maybe even a Baylor win as well. Um, we had the full team here for the first time in a while. So, again, it was me, Jack, Kendall, and Reed. Um, thank you guys for listening. Feel free to like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is on whatever major platform you listen to. Or if you just click on the article on Viva the Matadors website and listen to the, 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 the podcast in there. Also a great way. Um, I like to try to add a little bit of color to what you're going to hear in there if you want a better preview of the episode um well like i said we're going to have a lot more content baseball and softball right around the corner you'll start hearing from us on that in a few weeks um this is starting to become the busy season once again basketball playing twice a week baseball and softball about to ramp up um quick shout out to the women's softball uh excuse me basketball team they pushed OU really hard tonight fell but it looks like maybe that team's kind of finding its groove after a couple of big losses in early stages of Big 12 play. Hopefully they ladies can turn it around and continue to grow as a program and maybe even sneak into the tournament this year. We'll see how that goes, but credit to them for battling against a very good Oklahoma team. That'll do it for us tonight as of our recording. It's 9-11 on... Uh, 
Wednesday evening, and we're gonna take. I'll take us home now, just by saying, wreck them, guys. Enjoy whatever happens on Saturday. Enjoy the game. Try not to get too stressed out about it. It'll be a late one, at least. So you can kind of just go to bed after the fact, win, lose, or draw. Um, wreck them. Have a good one.